Welcome to The Deep End, a podcast by Digital Ocean. I'm your host for today, Ihaya Kachuku, um, an engineer on High Availability Team. And with us today, we have... Hello, I'm Brian Lyles. Um, I used to be part of Digital Ocean, but now I'm a director of engineering at Capital One down in D.C. All right, that's what's up, that's what's up. So, Brian, you listen to any new music recently? Like, what's uh, been in your ears? Right. So um, I've actually moved past that point in my life where new music is super amazing. I mean, I still listen to Wu-Tang that came out in 1993. I still listen to Biggie that came out in 1993. You got something for that year? Um, 1993 was the second best year of rap ever, but we can get into that later. Um, But as for new things, um, I'm still listening to a lot of hip hop. Uh, There's two new ones I like. Uh, The new um, Kendrick Lamar. Damn. Period. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. <laughs> Pretty uh, good. But also, just out of more non-mainstream rap, um, Talib Kweli and Styles P have a new album. Oh, for real? Seven. And I like them both for different ways. I'm actually just going back and forth between those right now. And I'm not, not one of those um, people that'll say, oh, I have diverse music taste. I totally do not. Word. I like rap. Yeah, I do. And R&B. Um, I am the stereotype. You like jazz? I do, actually. I love jazz. Um, but only in the way that I like Like I like old R&B. I don't have any favorites. I just like it. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I feel you on that. So outside of bumping music, like, what do you like to do in your free time? Because I feel like you have a lot of downtime sometimes. Oh, so actually I don't have a lot of downtime. So this <laughs> is commute. a crazy thing. Um so since I moved to Capital One, I don't live close to our office in Northern Virginia outside of D.C. So my commute, if I drive, it's an hour there, an hour and a half back. That's if I drive. And that I don't traffic. have to drive. Yeah, D.C. traffic is the worst. Um, but I spend a lot of time on the commuter train. So it's about two hours there, two hours back. So um, You well-read? Well-read, well-listened, well-watched. Um, <laughs> so... Downtime is interesting. Like today's Friday that we're doing this one. I am actually extremely tired. So what I do when I'm not working, um, first of all, I found I don't do anything. Uh, I found that over the past couple of weekends, I just had nothing to do. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time thinking that I'm going to watch TV on the couch. And I just sit on the couch and looking at the remote. And maybe I look at some Twitter. Maybe I'll look at some Facebook. I still do that. Um, but and maybe I'll read. Um, actually, I've been, been doing a lot of reading lately and not tech books. Strangely enough, um, I'll go into this in a second. Uh, I've been reading management books, but only because um, I've been moved from an IC to a people manager. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to be just, I don't ever want to be just in charge and, and flaunt that title. I actually want to make sure that I'm being good for my people. <laughs> Doing so, their job well, yeah. So two books that I've read lately, uh, Radical Candor by uh, Kim Scott. Uh, this is actually, I'm saying this one first, is because she has written a great book from the point of view of a 
coach who has coached people at Google and Twitter and other companies. And she's actually worked at Google and other in Apple. Like she's been instrumental in a lot of these things. So I like that how she talks about being the boss. She actually talks about being the boss. And then another book that I've been reading is um, by Camille Fournier. Uh, and it's called, it's a management book um, from O'Reilly. Also very good. It's, it's more practical, hands-on. So basically, what's your journey look like from individual contributor to, to basically running a company? And, and the reason I do it like this, I think I do everything like this. If I'm going to write software, so years ago I started writing Go, I wanted to be the best Go developer I could be. So I just Most deaf. I went in and I'm, I like really went in. I did everything in Go. And it's crazy. Things that I did in Go at DigitalOcean three plus years ago are still there. Yeah, and like codes everywhere, and that's only because I spent a lot of time on it. And now I'm on this management thing, so not only do I want to be a good boss, I want to be the best boss, and that that means more of not just being in charge better, but making sure the people who are below me are are growing and making sure we're hitting our dates and and actually delivering more than anyone thought we could. Mm-hmm. Like I just and Ihani saw this. Um, one of my one of the people report to me just sent me a Slack message saying I was brilliant, and that's how I know it's when it's not like he just stroked my ego. It's just that I've had enough impact on him to actually um, that he would actually just give me that feedback instead mm-hmm. of just holding it to himself. So that's pretty dope. That's awesome. Um, I was actually going to think about while we we're talking about the management. Have you ever like heard of the concept of servant leadership in the sense of the people that you manage? It shouldn't be like how, like how can they do something for like me, but what can I do for you in a way? So I, I have a stereo management. So um, taking the words from um, Radical Candor, I'm the boss. So in my group, I am the boss. And the reason I use that word, because that word conveys how how the group works. I am in charge of the group. Mm-hmm. But really, when I tell I tell people this, I say, I'm actually, I'm in charge of your output. And I take responsibility for your failures. So, but I'm putting it on you to be the best people. So I'm giving you all the success. I take the failures and realize that, you know, I hate to say this, that crap rolls downhill. Yeah. So I'm giving you all the successes, please. And realizing since I'm taking the failures, please don't do that to me. And what I'm doing is empowering them to be the best at what they do. So um, whether they want to, you know, be better at ops or better at dev. I'm giving them all those chances. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. It's uh, nice to hear a refreshing perspective on like management. Haven't really had that conversation with somebody before. So moving on and switching gears a little bit. Um, today we're going to talk about. I don't know. What have you decided we're going to talk about today, Brian? Um, actually, let's talk about something controversial. Okay. Are you ready for this? Sure, probably. All right, let's talk about why Brian doesn't talk about diversity anymore. Oh, perfect, because I stopped doing this as well, so it's going to be an interesting conversation. Um, all right, and I'll preface this with, um, I wish I would have, like, queued up this tweet, but I tweeted this a w- little while ago. And actually, this is a spoiler alert for Brian's tweets. Notice I only tweet in the morning or tweet in the evening. And the reason why is because I'm either on the way to work or just got to work or I'm leaving work. But generally, <laughs> when I tweet something, it's because of something somebody I read or something I saw, and it's not. I've moved my Twitter career is, is beyond basic chit chat. It's just mm-hmm. generally, hey, this is just something I want you all to think about. Maybe I can put a good thought in your mind. 
So the thought that I might I had is that I see, and I'm not picking on anyone in particular because really it's not that important, but I see that we like to complain on Twitter. And we yeah. like to complain and you know, you know, I'm black and I'm only gonna talk for blacks. It's like we like to complain that that people who aren't black treat us bad and they put us in bad positions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a long time, I fell into that trap, too. I was like, oh, man, rah, 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 that's horrible. But what I didn't realize is that I'm a black dude. Black women have it ten times worse. And, you know, I am exaggerating. I'm not saying it's ten times worse because pretty you know, bad. somebody's going to go measure. Yeah. But it's pretty bad. And I said the only way that I can advocate now is I can't advocate for myself. I'm not going to advocate for black men. I'm going to be a positive role model for black women, but I'm not going to advocate for black men. I'm going to actually just look at it in any situation. So let's say, you know, people working in tech. I'm only advocating for black women now. Why? Because they have it worse than me. I said, well, I, if I'm only talking about myself, isn't that kind of selfish? I said, real. if everyone looked behind them and, you know, we're all going up this ladder in life and there's people who are higher or, or actually let's say stairs, it's a staircase to success. We're going up. Everybody looks behind them and there's somebody who's behind them who is having trouble. So are you going to lift yourself up? Or wouldn't it be easier if you took the person behind you, grabbed them by, you know, by their hand and pulled them up? And that's how I'm looking at this now. And this is why I'm not talking about diversity. And, and I've been I've been on stages at large conferences, talked to thousands of people and said, yeah, you know, diversity this, diversity that. But no, it's it's over. I'm just going to talk about I, I'm more interested in how do I help black women? How do I help Latina women? How do I help yeah. Native American women? And then actually, and it's not just women of color, because, you know, sometimes I have the privilege of being a man in certain points. There's other times where, you know, white women can be helped by me. But I need to make sure that I'm mm-hmm. always looking for people who have it worse than me. And that's that's just my goal. And that's why I'm not talking about diversity anymore. Yeah. On that same vein, it's interesting that you mentioned, like, I guess with me, I stopped talking about it and more for a mental slash emotional health perspective because it's such a, like, emotionally, well, not to say draining per se, but, you know, it's just like thinking about it. I'm not trying to be like, whether it's like agitated or like annoyed or just like, you know, upset by it constantly and like constant, like talking about it, like week after week. Yeah, sure. If I have an experience, I'm going to like talk about it, but I don't, I've never been on stage for talking about um, diversity in tech or anything of the sort, because I don't know. It's like, I don't want to be necessarily a teacher for that. I mean, I, I will teach in real life, but I feel like if I'm going to a conference, I don't know, educating people on that, it's kind of like a slippery slope in a way because like well you know what don't don't worry about it you don't hold you don't hold that responsibility you don't owe anyone that so really if you can't do it don't do it it's not your job take care of yourself take care of your family um one thing i mean i could tell you just personally years ago i had horrible anxiety issues because when i was your age yeah i tried to internalize everything i could save the world i've given up on that the world doesn't want to be saved but some comic books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> some bad bad types and, and you really what all you can do is you help those who are around you and you hope that you've inspired them to help those mm-hmm. around them. And we don't have to save the world. Um, when things are hard for you, whenever whenever you feel that life is uh, just beating you down, it's okay to just stop. Just take a breath. You know, make sure you're breathing. That's where a lot of anxiety comes from anyways. Mm-hmm. 
you don't have no responsibilities for any of this. And that's sometimes I think people forget that, that they think that I am the champion, I am the warrior. No, you're not. You're just a person. And so sometimes you can, it's okay for you to say, I just don't want to do this anymore and I want to focus on myself. Mm-hmm. Because we don't focus on ourselves a lot. And, and not everybody needs to be a martyr. I think sometimes with, with the rise of social media, everybody thinks they're a martyr. You, know, you don't need to be a martyr. Uh, mm-hmm. There's other ways to you know, help the culture out than just dying on the sword. Because think about it. If you can only really die on a sword one time. You mm-hmm. can't do it every week. Some people really want to and really want to go out there and do that. So that's that's me ending my diversity talks. And I'm sure that, you know, when people hear this, they're going to be like, "Eh, hey, Brian, can I ask you about this? And I'm like, yeah, you can. But I might not answer. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because I don't like talking about it all the time either. Uh, I mean, I hate to say this, that uh, so there's yeah, I'm a black dude and, and I see what's going on in the world. But sometimes just talking about these things is, is a distraction from the long-term issues of, you know, we work in a career that is not sustainable for everybody for their whole lifetimes. We are working for people who are making way more money than we are, and we're basically killing ourselves for them. Mm-hmm. Um, we work in a place that, we work in places that make money in dubious ways and do bad things to people. There's so many other things to think about, and we sometimes get caught up in the in the just the wrong things, and then realizing that you know, the world wasn't made for you. Life sucks. Yeah, that, that's that's what it is, and it's really what it comes down to is how do you make it good? Can you you know, I can I, I can go back and think my grandparents were poor, like super poor, mm-hmm. like Southern North Carolina did not pave that road, did not pave the road to their house until my parents were almost adults poor. Um, only went to eighth grade. Oh, my grandmother went to eighth grade, and no one else went past that. Some of them only went to fifth grade. Poor. And guess what? They got up every Sunday, put on their Sunday best, and they went to church. And they knew life sucked, but got them through the week. So that's how I look at it. it we got to find that. You know, we got to find that that um, going to church exercise. And it might not be going to church, and all of us are religious. So. That's how I'm thinking about it. It's kind of zen now. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe the world that's has deep, beaten, man. But that's how I get through it. And that's why people are like, Brian, why are you always so calm? Because you know what? It don't matter. That's why I'm always so calm. So before we uh, get off of this, I want to just uh, ask you, what are some ways that people, like, I know it's funny we just talked about, like, oh, like, people come up and ask me questions after this. But I guess, what are some suggestions, like, I guess you can give for people that are listening to this podcast um, I guess for helping the, helping those that are behind them on like the stairway and like helping pull them up and like. Well, I can I can give you one way, um, and I'll give you the the just the generic. You heard a side comment about a woman, um, even if, you know you're working with a dude, and and they say something like, "Oh, did you see her? Blah blah blah. Do you know anything about her? Blah blah blah." You got to cut that off. First of all, you just tell them, hey, um, that's not what we're here to talk about. We talk about work and she is a person. And, and and just let them know that you are not cool with that. Because if you let them know that you're not cool with that joking around, they're going to stop. They're going to probably go do it with someone else because you're not going to change them. But yeah, um, at least you what you've done is you've stopped that one person from maybe upsetting someone else. So I don't have to go on Twitter and read that, hey, you know, such and such did me wrong because someone could have stopped that. 
And that's that's what I tell people to do. And nice. you know, we might not find them all the time. And this is a this is a long war. It's like this is uh we will all die, be worm food and like dug up and planted again before this is solved. Yeah. Like we realize that we need to we need we can always leave this world better than we than we got it. So that's what I'm saying. You've been dropping some mad philosophical <laughs> talk in this episode. I told you. So speaking of wild, what's something we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about tech now because whatever. What's something new and I guess what that you find wild about technology recently that's been kind of maybe of interest to you, like whether it's a new piece of technology, framework, uh, or anything, maybe a new language? All right. So I don't have anything that's really new. But it's something that I'm super interested in. Let's hear um, it. I think there's a theory in learning languages. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those old school polylots. I think that if you gave me a computer right now, I could probably write code beyond Hello World in 20 languages. I can believe that. And and really, I think the reason that I've been able to do that is I don't think it's that I'm any smarter than anyone else. I've just figured out how to learn. Yeah, learning's a very underrated skill. So yeah. talk about that some more. So um, what I've been doing now, and actually, uh, by the time this uh, podcast comes out, this talk will be done. But um, all my talks this year are about learning and how to do better. So next Monday or Tuesday, I'm doing a how to write a nap and go, and it's and it's beyond the semantics of this is how you formulate these s each strings and make things work it's more of you do you know you do this first and then you do that first and you move these things around you write these kinds of tests and i'm actually really interested in that piece like what is the theory of it's like the everything comes back to a hip-hop song for me like literally any situation that i'm in i could probably think of a like a hip-hop lyric like yep that captures this so really what i'm thinking of is um when i when i'm writing code it's like how does this sound? Is this, does it does it bump? Is it nice? Is it yeah. is it is it something I'm listening to? Is it like one of those old school West Coast songs? It's like, do I want to be riding around in a drop top with it blasting loud, or is it um, like something current and I just want to be in a cipher and I'm just and we're just firing off at each other? Yeah. Or is it worse and we're just battle rapping? Is are me and my club <laughs> battle rapping right now? We probably shouldn't be battle rapping because you know what? If it says that I didn't go to a private, I went to a private school. And what my real name was, and I'm not a real gangster. I only say this because Ihani's real young, and I don't get my references. <laughs> but I would be real upset. So that's what I spend a lot of time on. So how am I doing? What am I doing in that space right now? Well, um, one thing that I'm doing is I'm just actually so I'm going out and I'm learning Rust. And I was about to ask you about the whole Go versus Rust yeah, awards so that's I going on right I now. I look at it as it's something that C like. Yeah. Um, it has different memory semantics. And you view uh, Rust as C like or C like? There you go. Actually, that's, I view Go as C like. No, so here's I actually Let's talk about this, I'll go yo. back a little bit. So when I say C like, yeah. C is C like too. Yeah. That's that's what For I'm saying. Reasons, yeah. yeah, so it's all these languages, so like even like Perl and Ruby, they're still somewhat C like to me. They all come from that that thing. Yeah. But when you want to go semantics, um, Go is more like C. Rust is more like C plus plus. Most and, and really, what I'm doing now is, um, I have this theory about how to learn any programming language, and this is the this is the real secret to my success. And I've taught this to a few people, 
And then first they're like, no, this is not going to work. But then they try it and they're like, this is amazing. Build a project in the language? So mostly. So That's what I do. So let me tell you how this works. <laughs> and Ihani, you kind of do this. I've seen you do this in the past. So there's two things you need to know. You either know how to program, you need to program a language, and you need to know how to accomplish a task. And usually a task should be something hard, something that's going to actually exploit your knowledge. So what I do is I write Monte Carlo simulators. Oh. So I knew how the Monte Carlo yep. simulators worked. And for the crowd, just because we don't need to get too nerdy here, mm-hmm. Monte Carlo simulator is take a handful of dice, roll them, tabulate those up as your probabilities. Now do it a million more times. And then generally what you're doing is using probabilities and, and so-called weighted dice we could actually figure out how to model anything in the real world. This is proven by people way smarter than me. (laughs) And I've I've written things where we've modeled um, big systems where a million people getting sick, catching multiple types of diseases, and going to doctors. And we were able to do this with with random number generators in a Monte Carlo simulator. So this, to me, is the math is sound, the technique is sound. And this is what I do. So when I want to learn Rust, I just write a Monte Carlo simulator in it. And I know how they operate. I know pretty much how random numbers work, just at a, at a high level. And I write this thing, and I basically just keep on writing it till I get the output, and it flows like I want it to flow. Word. So and that's a neat thing. So now, when I learn Rust to a certain thing, a certain level, well, I would say, well, I really want to think about, let's say, like simulated annealing. I need to, and I actually do know how to do this in my head, but I wanted to learn simulated annealing. I'm actually, or I want to do something with. Um, combinatorials, or I want to do something with hill climbing. I want to do some crazy math stuff, some like some new math that I haven't done in a long time. FFTs? Uh, yeah. Or, yeah, I want to write some fast Fourier transforms or anything like that. So what I do is I take that language, Yeah. and now I'm only learning how to do this new math technique and not learning the language. So here's the hint. The hint is that you can only learn one thing at a time. And people, I think, sometimes people try to learn, jump in and learn web development, and they don't have never done any web development. So not only are they learning about HTTP, they're also learning about, you know, Ruby, Perl, Python, JavaScript. And actually, let's, let's, let's go back. Nobody's learning about Perl anymore. Nobody's learning about Perl no more. All right, so now let's go back forward. You know, so <laughs> Ruby, JavaScript, Python, C. I see that people kind of look at people coming out of boot camps in a different light. And I realize this. I've been coding. I am 40-something years old, and I've been coding legit since I've been 12, maybe even a little bit before. I was lucky. My dad... Saw that. Um, then we have people, you know, who went to college. They have degrees in coding, computer science, and degrees in coding. You could you could come computer science, computer engineering, MIS, and then you have people who have done like some real legit stuff, and they have philosophy majors, yeah, and they have English majors, and they're art majors. And you know what? There is a science of computing. There is real rigor in that, and computer so, science, like like. <laughs> no, no, you know what I'm saying. Though. Yeah, I know. I do get but what I'm you're saying. saying that I'm, I'm not trolling. saying the same thing about programming. Computer science is not programming. It isn't. It teaches you how to. So my friend Dara said, like, my computer science degree didn't teach me how to um, program. It actually taught me how to think and how to solve problems. Right. right. And I like she said that quote, and that has stuck with me like ever since I heard the, um, those words come out of her mouth. You know, because so there's truth to it. That's what I'm saying. And so that I, I have problems. I mean. You know, are you coming out of a boot camp and you're going to be legit? You know, maybe one out of a million or one out of 10,000 or one out of 100,000. It's going to happen. But guess what? We all had to start from somewhere. And Mm -hmm. it's really all you're doing in your career is learning how to learn faster. 
Exactly. And I'll tell you what, I'm still competitive. and I'm not the best of out there because I really don't care about that. Mm-hmm. I have certain problems I need to solve within certain constraints. And, and as long as I'm doing those well, I'm pretty cool. I don't need to be that guy who does open source on the weekends. And and really, just to be real, I've done open source on the weekends. I got, I think I have pretty legit open source creds. I'm not like a super huge I'm not that person who's going to be out there, open source, ride or die, but I've done it. <laughs> you know, yeah, you got, have, a little, you got a little bit yeah, of street cred. I, I've done what I've had to do. And, and really, I'm just saying that we all come into this game at different levels and we all try to have different goals. So really, we just need to um, understand that when it comes down to it's all about delivering. Unless it's your, if it's your own company, it's all about making that dollar line. But if it's someone else's company, it's all about just hitting that next project and making yeah. sure that you're happy from Monday to Friday because the weekend is yours. Yep. And, and that's, you know, it's kind of ranty, but that's that's why I do what I do. I'm trying to free people's minds. You know, I'm, I'm, it's funny because it's like I'm like programming's five percenter. Uh, like I'm, I'm kind of like old school rap politic and third eye type stuff here. Um, what I'm saying is that if you can open your mind to some of these ideas of how to learn, how to get along with your coworkers, how to be happy in life and realizing that some people, it's just not money. Mm-hmm. It's just that I can do this on the weekend, you know, and that's really what I'm trying to say. And if we all could get there, we'd be such a happier group of people. And that's what I'm going to leave you with. Appreciate your time, Brian. For real. You dropped some real good knowledge bombs this um, episode. Um, thank you all for listening once again to The Deep End. Once again, I'm Mihaya Kachuku, and on mic we had Brian Lyles. Um, it's been another episode, and we'll catch you all next time. Peace. Peace. Don't kill my vibe Don't you kill my vibe